Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Church Podcast. We're happy that you would join us for today's teaching. As a church, we're passionate about helping people find and follow Jesus, no matter who they are or where they are from. If you have any questions about Jesus, the church, or the teaching you're hearing today, please don't hesitate to contact us online at ericksoncovenant.ca. And now, let's listen to this week's teaching. Well, for the last number of weeks, we've been focusing in on who God is. And I've been doing sort of a special series addressing first the God who surrounds us, then the God who is with us, and then last week for Easter Sunday, the God who will raise us. And today, for sort of the final of these four messages, I want to look specifically how God forms us through trials. The truth is, no matter how you cut it, we're kind of in a sort of trial right now. With COVID-19 and uh, the stay-at-home requirements and all the limitations on gathering and people have been laid off and, well, I don't need to tell you, we're all experiencing some kind of pressure or trial, some kind of testing even. In different ways, I realize that some of us are experiencing it more than others and Some of us, there's certain pressures we're really aware of, but we may be completely blind to other things that other people are experiencing. But however we cut it, we're experiencing a kind of trial right now. And the main question that we have as Jesus followers is, how does God use trials like this, experiences like this, to form us? Like what's actually happening in us during this time? Or maybe more to the point, What does God want to do in us through these experiences? I think that's a very relevant question for us because it sets us up to ask the right kind of questions, to look for the right kind of things, to posture ourselves toward what God wants to do in us during this experience. When I've been chatting with people over the last week, my sense for some is that there's maybe a growing frustration. How long is this going to be? And Uh, When is this ever going to end? And for others, I know there's a a sense of impending doom even. Um, Maybe some of you are still gliding along happy as clams. Maybe you're introverts and you're just glad to be reading more books. I don't know. But asking the question, how is God forming us through this trial is key. It's important. And that's what we're going to explore today. I'd like to walk you through a very short passage right at the beginning of the letter that James wrote. James was a half-brother of Jesus, and he wrote a very practical book that you might be really familiar with. It's quite a popular one because it's filled with pithy, practical wisdom for living. And uh, it's, it's a lot like the Proverbs in some ways. It's even regarded that way. It's like a, like a little wisdom book in the New Testament. But this letter that James wrote is filled with great things. And he starts off his whole letter, verse 2, after saying hi, verse 2, he starts off by challenging or encouraging Christians in their response to trials. This is how it goes. I'll read it to you from James chapter 1 starting in verse 2. He says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking 
anything. It's quite a way to start a letter. And here's the truth. While we can often feel powerless in a situation because of what's happening, we feel like our choices are being removed or we don't have a lot of control, we can feel powerless, but that doesn't mean that we're passive. In fact, James wants to move us in an experience of trial to move us from a place of being passive to being a participant. He wants to move us from passivity to participation. Because no matter what the trial we're experiencing, we are able to lean in and participate in God's formation of us. The work that God wants to do in us and even through the difficulty. In these short couple of verses, there's at least three ways I see us being able to participate in God's formation of us through trial. And I invite you to just read along with it as we go and consider how you have been responding or how God might be forming you in the midst of this trial. The first thing is right out of the gate, James challenges us to respond with joy. And not just some joy and kind of joy and put on a you know happy face and fake it, but he says to consider it pure joy or consider it all joy. When we face trials of, of all kinds, and I don't know, the way I've been thinking about it, I, I, when I was reading and reflecting on it this week, I thought, you know, when we face trials of many kinds, well, this is one of those trials of many kinds. It's different than any of us have expected or experienced, but it is a kind of trial. And so the question immediately is, how do I consider this pure joy? <laughs> I mean, really, what does that look like? Recently, I've been doing a lot of reading and studying on how we respond to various situations, particularly how we navigate or even manage our own reactions, maybe to a particular relationship situation or a problem at work or, or maybe just things that automatically cause me to flare up and respond in a certain way. I've been doing a lot of reading and studying on that. And the reality is we often have a tendency to shift responsibility for how we feel or how we react onto other people or onto other situations. So that when something happens, we think, well, the reason why I'm upset is because, and we point. Or the reason why I'm, I'm acting this way is because, and we shift the blame. Well, what's interesting here is that we're being challenged to respond to a trial with pure joy, to choose our response and to choose joy. It made me wonder, though, what are our options? I mean, as you've considered your own personal responses to what's gone on in the last while, what have been some of the options you've chosen? Uh, maybe, maybe there's been things like frustration or, or anger or, or a bit of despair or despondency. Or maybe this has really caused you to, to be very anxious I don't know what kind of responses. There are a lot of options to us. James invites us to somehow move toward joy, to consider it pure joy when we face trials of many kinds. Not because the trials or the things that are happening are necessarily good. We don't want to call things that are bad good. But rather, we begin to recognize as these verses move on that there's something unique and special that can happen during these trials that wouldn't be possible 
otherwise. We are to consider it pure joy, not as a kind of pie in the sky, uh, just pull up the latest cliche and, and, you know, paint a smile on the face. It's not that kind of a joy. We're not like the kid. Maybe you've heard of this kid. There was a, there was a kid who was an incurable optimist and his parents were quite concerned because the kid just could never see reality. And so they thought, we're going to cure this kid. And so on Christmas Day morning, when he came down for the gifts underneath the tree, all there was was a big pile of horse manure. And this kid looked at it, and the parents were standing off watching. And the kid's looking at it. And finally, he just dove straight in and started digging. He says, I know there's a lot of horse manure here, but there's got to be a pony in here somewhere. Well, we're not looking for that kind of delusional optimism. That's not the kind of joy that James is telling us to choose. Rather, there's something about choosing joy when we know that God is able to do something unique and special through this time of testing and trial. Something that we may not even be able to know and see fully, but because we trust the goodness of God, we can choose joy anyway. It speaks of someone, actually, uh, who's able to manage how we react, uh, even manage our responses to even pretty negative situations, we can choose to see that what's happening is not outside of the realm of God. It's not outside of his ability to use. We're able to, to, instead of asking, why is this happening to us? Or why is this happening to me? We can actually move forward and embrace God's work through it. He is forming us through it. Now, I want to issue a little bit of a caveat I think we could read this and then become people who walk around. And the moment we see someone a little bit upset, we can begin saying, hey, you know, cheer up. And um, that's not always very helpful, right? Uh, Sometimes when we're experiencing anxiety, the last thing we want to hear from someone is cheer up. I don't think that's what James is saying to us. I don't think we should become the joy patrol, you know, and begin lecturing people about joy. I think rather he's calling us to embrace joy as a people. And then when we run into people that may be really struggling, it's to come alongside them, to share with them how we're seeing things, to share with them the way that God is helping us manage our reactivity or manage our emotions and to choose joy in the midst of our situation. And and maybe through the joy that we're experiencing as we see and trust God at work, we'll be able to point people to the God who loves them too. We may be able to lead them by our example toward joy themselves. We can, though, choose joy. And that's the first challenge that James gives us. So my application question right here at point number one is this. How has your response been? I don't say that out of guilt, no shame, nothing like that. But genuinely, if you were to sit back and evaluate, how has it been for you so far? We're weeks into this pandemic. And If you were to characterize your own response, what kind of response have you been choosing? Can you identify it? What's been your most common one, or maybe two or three, that have characterized your response? And what would it look like for you to consider this time of isolation, this time of pandemic, this trial? What would it be like for you to actually consider it pure joy? That's a real question. And I think it's an application of this challenge that James is giving to us. 
mean, don't downplay the difficulties or ignore the economic implications. Or we certainly don't, don't downplay the loss of life or the struggle that's going on. And yet, here we are in the midst of a trial. What does it mean for us to choose joy? What would it mean for you to choose joy? Well, the second way we participate in God's formation of us through trial is that we trust the process. Testing produces perseverance. That's what James says. He says, you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And then he says, let perseverance finish its work. Now, we know this is true. There's really no growth that happens in us physically, spiritually, intellectually, relationally. There's no real growth that happens in us without some kind of strain, some kind of difficulty, some kind of experience that that makes us have to persevere, have to push through. That's why we often exercise or we do resistance training because we know our bones and our muscles, it requires resistance in order to stay healthy and to stay strong. When we look at the life of our brothers and sisters through history, when we look at the life of Jesus, we actually can see that there were experiences in their lives that brought resistance to them, even often through isolation. Think of Jesus, 40 days in the wilderness. Think of the children of Israel wandering for 40 years. Um, Think of Elijah off in the wilderness wondering what's going on for him. These experiences of isolation, experiences of trial, are often the very things that, that grew people or launched people into the next phase of their lives. God was doing something special during that time, but it took time. Perseverance was required. What it helps me realize is that there's no shortcuts to this kind of thing. The perseverance is required and it doesn't happen overnight. I think there's a temptation though, uh, when we consider the perseverance, I think the temptation is often that we would, well, okay, this is going to last for a while, so let's just do something to distract us from it. Or let's take something to numb it. Um, and so sometimes we can make choices in the middle of our, of our testing that actually can short-circuit the very thing that God wants to do. Uh, we, can, we can end up drinking too much, or we can end up just, just, just trying to keep our minds so active and busy that we don't pay attention to the, the still small voice that is calling us to respond. And so we can ignore and even squander the opportunity we have because we aren't letting perseverance do its work in us. So the challenge for us, or the question for us, the question for me is, what are the shortcuts that are tempting me? When we are in the middle of testing, let's be honest, we often just say, please, just end this, Lord. Please, can this just be over soon? But James invites us to let perseverance finish its work. So that our prayer in the midst of difficulty, yes, we may at times pray, please, Lord, can you end this? But he somehow shifts our attention to what God's doing in the midst of that. And he cautions us. He says, trust the process. There's something going on here. You're you're being grown. You're being built. You're being stretched through this experience in a way that it wouldn't happen if it just could happen overnight. Perseverance is doing something special in you. And so my question for you is, 
What shortcuts are tempting you these days? What's the shortcut that you most easily reach for? Is it too much wine in the evenings or maybe even during the day? Is it just increasing your social media intake? Is it just trying to keep yourself busy and busy and talking on the phone all the time? I don't know what it might be for you, but we all are tempted with certain shortcuts when God is trying to get our attention, when perseverance is trying to do its work. And so the invitation from James is to let perseverance finish its work. There's something going on here. It was Pippin who cautioned Frodo, who said, shortcuts make long delays. Do you remember that? Well, we find that by trusting the process, God's work in us can actually mature more fast than if we had tried to find shortcuts or ignore it or or maybe uh, find a way out. Well, that leads us to the third way that we participate in God's formation of us through trials. And that is by envisioning his goal. His goal for us. James says, all of this, you know, considering it pure joy, when you're facing these trials, these trials that produce in us and grow our faith and, and all this work that perseverance is doing, it's so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The goal for the testing is not to beat us down. Of course not. It's not just so that we come out bloodied and scarred but still alive. That's not the goal. The goal is actually maturity. The goal is growth. The goal is that we be stronger and more vibrant and more trusting. God's goal is that we would become more alive to him, more aware of his presence, more content with the life he's given us and more willing to serve those around us, that we would be more and more like him, more and more like Christ. So all of this is so that. Now, I say envisioning his goal because when we're experiencing difficulty, to remember what this is all about, even if we can't always connect the dots, is so important. To remember, this is why I'm in training. I am aiming for this goal really, really helps us. As a family, we were really inspired by a TED Talk that Alex Hanold gave, as well as the uh, documentary that was put out through National Geographic called Free Solo. Now, Alex is a, is a mountain climber, a rock climber. He's incredible. And Alex is famous because after um, a long period of training, Alex was the first person to free climb, that is, without ropes, El Capitan in Yosemite. El Capitan is uh, hundreds and hundreds, thousands of feet tall. It's a sheer face. And he climbed it without ropes. I strongly encourage you to listen to his TED Talk. Uh, as well as the free solo documentary on National Geographic. It's great. But what inspired me about Alex is not only his incredible training and his incredible dedication, but by the time he ended up climbing El Capitan, doing the free solo, he could envision the entire route. Every handhold, every foothold, every jump he had to take, every single route and spot and moment of his climb to the top, he had fully envisioned it. He could lie there and think through from step one to the very end, his entire climb. That is what enabled him to approach this challenge with confidence, to approach each, each moment on his climb with confidence because he knew clearly where he was going and how he was going to get there. Now, we don't always know how we're going to get there, but envisioning the goal is critical. 
And we know that for many kinds of, of people facing challenges, elite athletes come to mind, obviously. This practice of visualization is really, really important. Well, what James is trying to help us do is visualize the outcome, is to see that God has a goal for us. And even when we're in the midst of, of blurry, murky times and we're struggling a bit, to remember to be able to pull our heads up and go, oh, right, God has a goal for me. Like, God is not just willy-nilly uh, doing this to us, but rather, through these difficulties that are happening around us, God is able to use these things to do the thing he's always committed to doing, which is growing us up, making us more mature, making us stronger in him. That's the goal. When we receive trials with joy, when we let perseverance do its work, the result is maturity. The result is a completeness. Not a perfection like everything, but a sense of wholeness that God is bringing to us through this experience. And I think if we'll step back and evaluate some of our own responses, uh, some of the ways that we have grown through trials in the past, we'll recognize that there's another level of completion or another level of maturity that God is wanting to bring to us even now. The truth is, every trial, every experience, no matter how big or small, no matter how difficult they can be, it's something that God can use to grow us up. It's something that God can use to mature us. Nothing is beyond his love and his desire to see us grow, to look more like him, to be more connected to him, to be more unified to him and aware of his heart for the world. The application for us then, for this third point, is to visualize God's goal for us personally. To maybe ask the question, what would increased maturity look like for you? For me? Answer that for yourself, of course. To ask the question, okay, when I think about how I've been responding to this crisis or responding to my kids or responding at work or whatever situation, maybe related to this pandemic, maybe not related at all. When you ask yourself, how have I been responding to this? You could say, well, what would a more mature, I'll use myself as an example, what would a more mature Tom look like? Like, what would that actually be? Maybe following um, a less than stellar experience with someone or maybe, maybe a conversation that you aren't happy about or maybe a reaction you aren't happy about. You could ask yourself, okay, well, what would maturity have looked like? What would, what would God's life in me what would that have looked like? Would it have been more contented? Um, would there have been more peace in my heart? Would I have thought a little longer before I responded? Um, would I have become more open to what the Holy Spirit was saying? Would I have been able to maybe be uh, aware more of God's presence, of what his desire would be for us in that situation? To somehow visualize in our own hearts and minds what would it look like for me to experience more of God's joy in the midst of a difficult situation? And as you visualize that, to celebrate, this is actually what God wants to do in you and in me. The key is to keep our eyes fixed on God and his work in us. Now, as I was preparing this, there was a song that kept coming to my mind, and I want to sing it for you. The song uh, was made famous through the civil rights movement in the 1950s and 60s in the United States. It's an older folk song called Keep Your Eyes on the Prize. 
been done by a lot of different people. I, I love the version by Mavis Staples, but version version by Bruce Springsteen is really great too. But I want to offer my own version. And uh, I, I want to honor the role that this song played in, in the midst of the struggle um, uh, of our brothers and sisters in particularly the United States as they came out of, of real racial segregation and, and struggle. I want to honor the, the role this song played. But over the years, it's, it's been a song that has helped a lot of people in the midst of a struggle to keep their eye on the prize, to hold on. And so as you think about God's goal for you and for me, as you think about the struggle that you're going through and the, the challenge, the invitation to choose joy, I offer this song to you as a way of encouraging all of us to keep our eyes on the prize. Silas bound in jail had no money to go their bail. Keep your eyes on the prize. Hold on. Paul and Silas thought they was lost. Dungeon shook and the chains come off. Keep your eyes on the prize. Hold on. Freedom's name is mighty sweet Soon we're gonna meet Keep your eyes on the prize Hold on I got my hand on the gospel plow Won't take nothing for my journey now Keep your eyes on the prize Hold on Hold on, hold on, keep your eyes on the prize, hold on. Only chain that a man could stand is that chain of hand to hand. Keep your eyes on the prize, hold on. Board that big greyhound, carry the love from town to town. Keep your eyes on the prize. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Keep your eyes on the prize. The only thing I did was wrong Was staying in the wilderness way too long Keep your eyes on the prize Hold on The only thing we did was right Was the day that we started to fight Keep your eyes on the prize Hold on Hold Hold on, keep your eyes on the prize. Hold on, hold on, 
All spiritual formation, everything that God is doing, and every situation, he can use it to bring about our growth and our maturity. The question for us is, will we move from being passive to being participants? We may not be able to control what's going on around us, but friends, we have an option to choose into what God is doing in us. We can respond with joy. We can trust the process. And we can envision his goal of growing us up, mature and complete in him, not lacking anything. That's the God who forms us in trials. The God who surrounds us, the God who's with us, the God who raises us up, and the God who forms us through whatever kind of trial we're experiencing. My hope and my prayer for all of us is that we'll be able to embrace this time as we follow Jesus in the midst of this testing, this trial. Let's pray. Jesus, we look to you. We remember that you endured the true test and you came out strong and complete for us. So Jesus, we look to you as we follow you now. We trust you that you are at work in us. That we, because of you, can choose pure joy. No matter what kind of testing we're experiencing, we can trust that you are at work, that you are growing us up. And so we commit ourselves to you again. Thank you. Thank you for using what's going on around us even now for our good. We ask that we would just continue to trust you to choose joy and to see your life flow into us as you grow us up into you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope today's teaching provided you with life-changing truth and valuable insight. We hope you've learned of some practical steps forward in your spiritual journey, whether you're finding Jesus for the first time or you have been following him for years. Do you know someone who would be encouraged by what you heard today? We invite you to share this podcast so they can be encouraged too. For more information or to ask more questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for the Erickson Covenant Church.